just by a show of hands, uh, how many of you like baseball? Anybody? Um, we had the all-star game this last week. Uh, I've always enjoyed uh, baseball. Uh, I played it as a kid in, in Little League, and I probably would have kept playing it, except we moved from Illinois to Georgia, and I didn't have a lot of connections, and so most of my baseball became wiffle ball or softball with the church, and I did that through junior high and high school, and I got to college, and I went to a small Christian college. At that time, it was called Johnson Bible College. Now it's Johnson University. Johnson University now is NAIA, which is a pretty um, good tier of college athletics. But when I was there, uh, it was NCCAA. Anybody ever heard of NCCAA? No, it's just a competitive level just below junior high baseball. Um, and uh, uh, so when I started playing, I can say I played college baseball, but I played in the NCCAA. Uh, and it was more for lack of talent at our school than, than my talent. But nonetheless, I went back to playing uh, baseball. And something I quickly realized is that even at that lower level tier of college athletics, uh, it was going to take a lot of work. Uh, I could field, I could throw, uh, I could run. But man, when the last pitches that you saw in baseball are like 50 mile an hour pitches from a fifth grader, and now you're facing a college athlete who throws mid to upper 80s, like low 90s was the farthest that we got in our baseball league. It was hard. It was a huge adjustment. And I figured out the fastball, um, but the hardest pitch for me to learn to hit was were curveballs. Because when I grew up playing Little League, they would not allow Little Leaguers to throw curveballs. You couldn't throw a curveball until you were in high school. They were concerned at that time about your arm and all that stuff. And so I never faced a curveball in my life. And here I was, uh, a college athlete, <laughs> if you would, and uh, I was facing curveballs. And I struggled. Now, I got to start on our college baseball team my freshman year. Uh, but oftentimes I'd get pulled late in the game when they needed to make sure they had uh, someone who they could depend upon to hit. So fast forward to the end of that season, and uh, I was batting in our regional championship game against a school called Tacoa Falls. Uh, it was one of those situations that most people dream about, but if you're a bad hitter, you don't really dream about it. It's more like a stuff of nightmares. Uh, I came up to bat two outs, bottom of the ninth, our team's trailing by one run. We have runners on first and second. And so I step into the batter's box. I step out. I look at my coach. My head coach is my third base coach. And he just gives me this flurry of signs. And I am sure that my coach tells me to swing away. I would learn later that my coach was telling me to bunt. That's how much confidence he had in me. Uh, bottom of the ninth, potentially final game of the season, uh, he wants me to bunt because that's the best chance that Craig has uh, to, to help the team. Well, I saw swing away, and sure enough, um, I chose to swing away. And I don't remember if it was the first pitch or the second pitch or the third pitch. I don't remember what pitch it was. Uh, but sure enough, I noticed the curveball coming out of the pitcher's hand. Now, now, now if, you, if you have played baseball, if you have coached baseball, if you've watched kids play baseball, you know that there's something different that takes place with the curveball. Like a fastball, I mean, it's coming, it stays on a pretty direct plane, but with a curveball, you have to do some different things. Uh, you, you have to focus, uh, you got to see the spin as it comes out of the pitcher's hand, you have to keep your weight back because you're used to swinging more aggressively, and so you have to wait, and you have to choose not to give up because something happens with a curveball, it'll look like it's outside of the strike zone, it looks like it's going to be a ball, and the next thing you know, because of the spin, it dips right in across the plate, and, and you can look pretty foolish in a hurry. Um, 
And by the way, this is just kind of a fun story. I don't know if you guys have heard of a man named Bob Russell before. Uh, Bob was a preacher at Southeast Christian Church for a number of years, uh, was at one time the largest church in uh, the United States. And he has this thing where he encourages preachers, and he took us to the Louisville Slugger Bat Factory, and this is a bat he gifted me. It has my name on it. And, and my favorite part about Bob is not that he gave me this bat, uh, but that in 2017, when I was at this preacher's retreat, he had me get in the simulator along with all these old preachers, and uh, he was having fun with us, he thought. He, he told them to turn it up as high as it would go. And so if you've ever been to the Louisville Slugger Bat Factory, like you'll see a picture like a Randy Johnson going old school here back to the 90s who threw like 100 mile an hour heat. And, and they tell us the ball's gonna be coming anywhere between 90 and 100 miles an hour. And, 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 and Bob is having some fun bets. He's like, preachers don't ever hit this. And so all these guys go and Bob is laughing. He is having the time of his life. And I get in and I stand there and I hit nearly every single pitch. And so I can still hit fastballs, I just can't hit uh, a curveball, um, mainly because I struggle to make the adjustments. On Wednesday morning at 9.25 a.m., I sent an email to uh, Didi, uh, one of our office support staff who was working. And the subject line of that email was simply curveball. Why did I write curveball? Because there are times that come along in our lives like in baseball, where, where things are just different and they require adjustments. Uh, something significant happens, something, uh, a struggle occurs, a death, uh, um, a tragedy, and, and, and you have to pivot, you have to make adjustments. And, and we know that in life, the hardest things that come at us are, are curveballs. My week started off as a fastball week. Monday morning, I had a really good early start to the day. Uh, I had some great sermon research in the morning. Uh, I was able to, to, to come in and do some administrative work on a funeral that we're hosting here at the church uh, on Tuesday. I was able to have a great one-on-one -on -one with Kurt. I got some advanced reading and some advanced planning done. I was able to come home because I got such an early start a little bit early and, and hang out with my family. It was a fastball day. Tuesday started off as a fastball day. Uh, I got up early, was prepped for my disciple-making group. I meet with a group of guys, usually on Wednesday mornings, but because of some travel, we were meeting on Tuesday morning. Um, ended up that only one of the guys could make it, and so we had this great discussion on 1 Peter chapter 4 that morning. I had a great uh, lead team meeting that morning. Admin meeting followed. I got to meet with a really cool couple in our church who's been asked to kind of come alongside uh, another couple to help them learn how to follow Jesus. I had a meeting later that afternoon with um, this organization out of Brownsburg called Wayfinders who's doing a lot of work and, and helping bring good to communities. One of the things they're doing is not only helping uh, life coaching, help people start businesses that make a difference, but they're helping develop disciple-making movements. And, and they were all in my office. We had a great meeting. Uh, went home and got to go out to eat with my family. Uh, came back, we were watching some YouTube videos, having a good time. And I noticed my phone ringing. And so I picked up my phone. And you know, if you've gotten these calls before, I think most of you have, um, the voice on the other end was my dad, but I could tell immediately that something wasn't right. And so my dad, um, who's a strong man, doesn't show a lot of emotion, uh, quivering voice, just says, hey, Craig, this is one of those phone calls that you don't want to get. I've got some really bad news. He said, um, your grandpa's dead curveball. My heart broke in that moment. My, my grandpa 
92 would have been 93 in two weeks. Like he lived a long life. He's done some incredible things. My heart broke in that moment, obviously, because I won't see him again, but it broke for my mom. My mom and him share such a close relationship. My, my heart broke for my dad. My, my, my dad's dad died in 2010. Um, but even before that, my dad shared such a close relationship with my mom's father. My, my, my grandpa, I called him Grandpa Junior, got my dad a job on uh, the city department, the street department over in Danville, Illinois. And they worked together for years. He mentored my dad. He, he helped him know how to, how, to, how to love people, how to help people. And so in that moment, I'm thinking about what my mom and my dad are going through. And um, so it was hard. It was a curveball. And I knew in that moment that when life throws a curveball, you've got to make adjustments. The, the adjustments that I know I have to make in baseball for a curveball is that I've got to focus, I've got to wait, and I've got to not give up. And there's the same things that I've learned in life. When life throws you a curveball, I have to focus, I have to wait, and I have to not give up. For me, adjustments came in more professional, um, like physical terms. Uh, I had meetings I had to cancel for Wednesday so I could go and be present with my mom and my dad, uh, help them plan the funeral. I had meetings I had to cancel for other days. Um, and one of those adjustments was I knew I needed to change a little bit what I was going to preach today. Because um, maybe a part of the story you don't know is that I was already charged last week, not with just preparing a sermon, doing my normal stuff here on Sunday, but I had to write a sermon for this funeral we're hosting for um, the Lawrence Schaefer family on Tuesday. And so now suddenly by two o'clock Wednesday afternoon, I have to write a message for my grandpa's funeral. I still need to write the message for Lawrence's funeral. And then there's still going to be a bunch of eager people uh, who want to hear a message on Sunday morning. And so adjustments had to be made. When, when I got that news and I knew an adjustment had to be made, my mind immediately went back to a text in Psalm 13 that I preached before. It's a text that shows us that, that David makes adjustments even when life throws him curveballs. And I just hope to encourage you as I've encouraged my own heart this week. Uh, a couple things I'd like to clarify before we jump to Psalm 13 is that one, uh, this message is not about me. Um, because quite honestly, this is a message uh, and a text that I've looked at several times over the last few months and thought about pivoting to. Because although this was the tipping point for me, uh, even as I look out of the room, um, I know so many of your stories. And the reality is that the last six to nine months for many of the people in Lebanon Christian Church have been so hard. I, I've been a pastor for 23 years and I've seen this happen before. Things just kind of come in waves. There will be seasons where there are very few deaths, where uh, people seem to ex be experiencing so many good things. And then there are seasons that are, are full of not only death, but tragedy, questions, doubts, heartbreak. And when I think about your stories and my story, that's, that's what these last six to nine months have been full of. And so I want to go to this text in a moment because I see not only myself facing curveballs, but I know that you faced curveballs. Here, here's just some examples of the curveballs I've seen in our church over the last six to nine months. Uh, of course, there's death. I will be doing my fourth funeral in six weeks on Tuesday. 
Kurt has been doing funerals. That means there's been a lot of death either in our church family or connected to our church family. And those deaths span the whole age range. Uh, you guys, many of you know the story of our, for, our former pastor, Philip, and their four-month-old daughter. Uh, I got to, to preach at that funeral. But it goes all the way to my grandpa at 92, uh, soon to be 93. And so many things in between. Those deaths span uh, more expected. If, if you're 92, you kind of figure the body's going to give out at some point. Um, but they reach all the way back to people just in the middle of their life, seeming to be in the prime of their life, and they're just suddenly gone. Th- these are spouses and parents and siblings, and in some cases, best friends and children. Some of those children are children that were in the womb, just three months along, growing inside their mom, look incredible, and the next thing you know, uh, that mom has has. has has experienced uh, the death of the child um, inside the womb. Uh, we've seen illness and injury. I, I think about the whole spectrum again from young, young kids all the way to uh, our elderly who have had, had faced significant injuries and illnesses. And in some cases, it's completely disrupted their plans. It's disrupted sports seasons. It's changed the trajectory of summers. It's changed vacation plans. Uh, it's changed financial pictures. And it's hard. It's, it's a curveball. Um, I think of people facing heartbreak. How many stories I've heard over the last few months of people who have had loved ones quit on them, betray them, leave them. There are stories of divorce. There are stories of infidelity. There are stories of so much heartbreak. I think about people that have faced employment problems. People who took a job with all these grand promises and um, they suddenly learned that those promises were empty. People have been unjustly terminated. People have been justly terminated. People, people that have struggles with employers and fellow employees. I think about those stories I've heard of financial struggle. Sometimes those financial struggles are brought on by someone's irresponsibility. Maybe that's your story. Uh, you can't seem to spend within your means, and so you borrow and you go into debt and you create a crisis. But some of those stories are people that, that are being responsible, and the transmission failed, and then the air conditioner went out at home, and then the sump pump went out, and then they knew that the septic system needed fixed, and uh, then they got in the car and it wouldn't start, and then the medical bill came from the hospital, and it's just curveball after curveball after curveball. And some have, have spent the last several weeks in despair and sadness, and some of you know why that is. Some of you know where the sadness comes from. And some of you don't, and so you're seeking the help of a good therapist to help you think through the, the difficulties in your life. And for some, it's been a collection of many of these. And that's the story of so many in our church, curveball after curveball after curveball. And so how do we adjust when it's no longer fastballs, but life throws us curveballs? Now, I don't want to assume that everybody that's here or those listening and watching online have experienced curveball after curveball this year. Um, you may be in a fastball season. For you, life might be all rainbows and unicorns. Um, and if that's you, I honestly rejoice with you. But here's what we all know is that while those great seasons come, these hard seasons come. And so what do we do when the curveballs come? What do we do when it's not straight and down the middle, as they would say in baseball? 
And that's where I want to go to Psalm 13. Psalm 13, again, is a psalm where David um, has clearly faced uh, curveballs. Just a brief recap of David's story, if you don't know who he is. Uh, David's the second king of Israel. The first king's name was Saul. Uh, Saul failed to trust God. Saul disobeyed God. Uh, and, and so the throne was given to David. David was anointed to be the next king of Israel. The problem was Saul was still on the throne, so it created a, a little bit of difficulty, maybe a lot of difficulty, between Saul and, and David. And so Saul and David are in this um, just... Uh, intense struggle. It's more on Saul's part. Saul tries to kill David. Saul runs him out of town. Saul chases David down. David's on the run. It is curveball. David sees good friends die. Uh, David runs himself. David has no like uh, typical predictable pattern to his life. He's always on the run. It's difficulty after difficulty, curveball after curveball. And I want you to listen to David's words in Psalm 13. Oh Lord, how long will you forget me? forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat saying we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. But I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. When David faces curveballs, he makes adjustments. I told you when it comes to baseball, you have to, to focus. And David focuses and what he chooses to focus on is the Lord. He focuses on the Lord even when life is hard, even when it's difficult. In the New Living Translation, which I just read from, in six verses, David references God eight times. Verse one, O Lord, directly calling him by name Adonai, will you, by pronoun, he references him. O Lord, how long will you forget me? How long will you look the other way? Verse three, turn and answer me, O Lord my God. There's the fourth reference. Verse five, but I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. So even when he faces curveballs, even when life is difficult, he keeps intentionally focusing on who God is. That doesn't mean that, that everything is pleasant and everything is perfect for David, but he knows the only place he can turn is to the God who will carry him through. And even as he's focusing on God, he's okay with asking vulnerable, honest, raw, authentic, like we might even say disturbing questions. Look at the questions that he asks. Verse one, how long will you forget me? Forever? That's raw, that's vulnerable, isn't it? David feels forgotten. The next question, how, how long will you look the other way? David feels ignored. I'm guessing some of you have felt ignored. You have prayed and you have prayed and you have prayed and you have waited and you have waited and you have waited and you don't feel like the answer is coming. How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? I'm guessing at times you have felt left abandoned just to struggle. 
How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Do you feel defeated? What I genuinely love about David's authenticity and raw vulnerability is that he keeps focusing on God. The curveball comes, but he focuses on God. And in that focusing, he allows his questions to keep driving him back. Now, here's what I've experienced in my lifetime and the lives of other people as I've helped them is that oftentimes we're scared to ask the questions. We don't think that we can come before God and ask honest questions. But but here's what we need to understand is that the Bible is full of people asking God raw and honest questions. It's not just David. Uh, You can go to the book of Job, this man who suffered greatly, and he asks question after question after question. And there's something that happens when we are raw and honest and vulnerable with God and we keep coming back. We're putting the focus on him and we put ourselves in a position to do and to experience what only God can help us do and experience. And that's to deliver us through and to carry us through. And so will you and I ask the hard questions and keep our focus on the Lord when the curveball comes? Will we focus on the Lord by by doing the hard things. And a lot of times when you go through curveball moments, the hardest things are the basic things. How many times have I visited with people? How many times have I felt it myself that when we go through hard things, we don't feel like reading the Bible? And so sometimes we'll push it aside. Or we don't feel like praying because we don't feel like we have the, the words to pray. We don't feel like singing, so we don't sing. And what I have found is that when I will force myself to do those hard things, that allows me to redirect my attention and focus on God, and he does something special. I was driving back from Danville, Illinois on Thursday, and I was just weary. Uh, we'd been cleaning up my grandfather's home, and um, because he'd been able to kind of take care of things for a little while, there were a lot of messes, and just some of them uh, just left you kind of in a, in a difficult place. And, and so I'm driving back, and if I was honest, I just kind of wanted to let my mind just go to nothing. But I just kind of sense God saying, Craig, you, you, you got to keep your eyes on me. You, you, you got to sing. You, you got to be reminded of who I am. And so it was a fight driving down the interstate. I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Um, but, but I forced myself, and it may sound really weird to you, but I forced myself to hit the Apple Music icon on Apple CarPlay and choose one of the recent worship albums that I had downloaded. And through the singing and through the praise rooted in Scripture, God lifted me and God encouraged me. There's something that happens as we focus on him. We realize that he's the only one that can carry us through. So I encourage you, when life throws a curveball, focus on him. Go to his word when it's hard. Sing to him when it's hard. Pray to him when it's hard. Be reminded of his goodness. Be reminded of his greatness. Ask him the honest questions and, the, and be vulnerable and raw and real. But, J, but, but David shows us something more. He he waits. You know, when you're facing a curveball in baseball, the reason why you have to wait is because it's an off-speed pitch. If that fastball's coming in at 92, 93 miles an hour, that, that curveball's coming in in the 80s or maybe even the upper 70s, and, and, and if you're not waiting on it, you will get way out ahead of it, and you will look absolutely ridiculous. But if you will wait, then, then you can have success. And the way David shows us he waits is he, he waits and he rests in what he knows to be true of who God is. Verses five and six, he says, but I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. When the curveball comes, David waits, but he waits in what he knows to be true of God, that he is unfailing, 
that he does rescue, that he has rescued. See, what David's able to do in that moment is he's able to go back and think of the other times when he's been suffering hardship, the other times when curveballs have come. And he, he reminds himself that God is faithful. God, God's come through for me before. God will come through for me again. When, when we wait in life's curveballs, I encourage you to go back to how God has delivered you in the past. I'd encourage you to take out a piece of paper, open up your notes app on your phone and record other difficult seasons that you've been through and how you've seen God be faithful. Because oftentimes we see God's faithfulness in the rearview mirror, don't we? Like, like as, we're, as we're passing it, we don't see it, but we look back and we're like, oh wait, God, I saw you were doing something. I saw you were up to something. I saw you were refining something in me or in the people that I love. And if you can't get there on your own, invite that good, trusted friend along for the journey, the person who follows Jesus and follows alongside of you. Maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a family member, and ask them to tell you how they've seen God's faithfulness in your life, even when you've been in the midst of a storm, even when the curveballs have come. So we focus on him, and we wait, and we're reminded of his faithfulness. When we wait on God, we realize that uh, ultimately, um, even when circumstances don't seem to change, that he's given us the ultimate victory because of what he's done in Jesus. See, here's the thing about David. David talks about God's faithfulness, and David talks about God's rescue. And David is assured of those things, and he doesn't even have Jesus yet. And here we are people who live in the shadow of the cross. Jesus has come. He's called the son of David. Jesus has entered this earth. God has entered this earth in human form and he has lived and he has died and he has risen again, which tells that there's not a curveball in the world that wins for eternity. Uh, we, we hold the ultimate Trump card. I use Trump because uh, Euchre was one of my grandpa's favorite games and uh, most of the memory, uh, memories I have of playing cards with him are, are playing Euchre. I will tell you that if you wanted to play Euchre um, with my grandpa, you want to be on this team. Uh, my grandpa had played for so long, not only did he count cards, but he knew what was in your hand um, before you knew what was in your hand. Uh, my grandpa and my dad on the team, you lost every time. My grandpa knew that if he held just one bower in his hand, which is the ultimate trump card, or the right bower, that he would win. Didn't matter what else he had, he would find a way to win. Um, if you're playing euchre, then if you call spades, then the jack of spades is the ultimate trump card. We, we as followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus, hold the ultimate trump card. Um, we believe and we trust and we follow the king of kings who has triumphed over the grave. And that means there's not a single hardship that you and I face in this world that will prevail for eternity because we trust in him, the one who overcomes and so when curveballs come, let's focus on, on God and let's wait in the truth and the reality of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. And as we do that, um, we won't give up. We won't give up. As that, as that pitch comes in, as that curveball of life comes in, we can stay on it and we can handle it and we can see God do something remarkable through it. Back... Uh, that regional championship game, uh, that, that curveball came. I was a left-hander, so I could see the ball pretty well. And as the curveball comes across the plate, uh, I swing, and I hit the ball. And I drove it to right field. It was a double down the line. 
and, and, and two runs scored. Now, I'm not going to tell you it was a perfect thing because if you know anything about baseball, the fact that I was so late on a curveball that I drove it down the right field line as a, as a right-handed batter means that I didn't really know what I was doing. Uh, but, I, but I still hit the ball. Uh, and two runs scored, and we won the game. I missed the button sign, <laughs> but I was able to have success because I focused and I waited and I didn't give up. And my hope is that you can experience success as curveballs come your way, that you will focus, that you will wait upon the Lord, remember, reminded of his faithfulness, and that you won't give up. And here's the beautiful thing is you, as you grow, your confidence grows when curveballs come. As you look to him, he teaches you, and then a new hardship comes. You're like, you know what? I don't know where God's going to show up in this. I don't know what he's going to do, but I know he's going to come through because he always does. And so you keep leaning in, and God helps bring you success. Uh, my hope is, is that by even me sharing this with you today, that you can be more prepared when the next curveball comes in your life or for the curveballs you're already experiencing in your life. And here's an even greater hope I would say I have is that as you learn to handle the curveballs of life, that you'd help those in your life handle them as well. Part of being a disciple who makes disciples is that you get to walk alongside other people and you help them navigate life as you've learned to navigate life following him. And you can help them have success when life is hard. Let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you for the beauty of your word and how just all of life we can find in its pages. And God, even when hard things come and curveballs come, whether it's a single curveball or a season of them, and God, help us to, to learn from David, to learn from your word. Help us to focus on you. Help us to be honest and vulnerable and, we, and real. God, help us to wait. Help us to wait and wait in your faithfulness and your rescuing love and power. Help us to be reminded that you have triumphed through Jesus Christ, and so nothing uh, can win uh, besides you. God, help us to rest in you. Help us to not give up. And help us to be a witness to a world in desperate need. And it's in your name we pray and trust in the name of Jesus. Amen.